Hello and welcome to the Indie Incursion Podcast. I am the ghost formerly known as Von Hyde, and this is your weekly Indie Games Podcast. Uh, normally we do, uh, basically just it's a news podcast, uh, but... As we did with our Greg Lobanov interview, this week we are actually uh, doing another game dev interview, an indie game dev interview specifically, and this is for Pixel Dinos. Uh, you guys are currently working on a game called Heroes Ravage, right? That's right. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually kind of, I'm, if I'm being honest, normally we reach out to people to have them on the podcast, and it made me exceptionally happy that you reached out to me. I was like, it, it kind of made me freakishly happy. If I'm being yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, one of the, the parts of being uh, indie dev is that you have to find some ways to put your game out there. And we found out the Parallax Media website, and I saw one of your podcasts, and I thought, well, maybe you'll want to chat a bit about uh, indie games and uh, talk a bit about Heroes Ravage as well. So I yeah. sent you a shout out, and you answered, so it's cool. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to pass up on any opportunity to talk to a game dev. That's kind of like my whole thing. I initially got started writing for Parallax because I put out, uh, I was like writing on my own because uh, I wanted to talk about indie games because I felt like they just weren't getting enough coverage. And John, the founder, reached out to me and he was like, hey, if you want to write about indie games, you can come write for my site. I'm like, oh, sweet, dude. So yeah, I'm definitely not going to pass up on on giving a small indie dev, uh, like kind of broadcasting their story. That. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I, I like to think I'm cool. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, you specifically said in when you reached out to me that you wanted to talk about kind of the uh, the perils and and like just the how hard it is to be a small indie dev team. Uh, yeah. I was wondering if you if you wanted to start off on that or if you wanted to start off on talking about Heroes Ravage. I'm fine either way. I can talk about both because that's the experience that I have right now is working on Heroes Ravage and from having to develop a game as an indie developer, you have to, you know, put all your money that you worked before uh, on, you know, 9-11, five days a week job and you you start doing something as a pet project and then, then it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Then you just say, well, we need to move forward with this. We need to put time, really put time in this. And uh, you get a few people that are willing and are, and are courage enough to do that. And well, and you start a project and ours was Heroes Ravage and it all started from uh, a vacation. Really? You you guys got the idea of Heroes Ravage from just a vacation? Yeah, uh, so um, I'm from Portugal and uh, two of our team members are from Portugal as well. And one of them was my roommate in college. And uh, it's all across the country. And so uh, one time I told him, hey, you want to come down here to the beach and have a... uh, a good time when we have when you have a vacation i'll have vacation at the same time so it'll be cool for us to hang out so when he came here uh, we went to have some some french toast but that french toast here i don't know if that matters but it's huge <laughs> so <laughs> it took some time to eat it and that time we used to be talking about the games because 
LF Games, Elif's Games, and uh, another friend of mine that was and still is an artist, and he um, he's been spriting for games for uh, almost ten years now. We got together. We start talking about like the old games, like you know Final Fantasy VII, like uh, Sword of Mana, those games, and we're all, and Zelda as well. And we were, were just laughing because uh, usually when you play those games, you enter in every NPC's house, you know, and you start stealing everything. You start you want to break stuff that you can't break, and you're just like an absolute hassle. You know, you're saving the the world, but you're being an asshole to all the NPCs. <laughs> and we just thought, well, what what if we did a game about this? You know, give the players the power to beat the NPC, and have them like blockade their house and and hear the the heroes coming like ha ha and breaking everything outside, and you're and they are like in their house like shivering in fear or something like that. And the the idea came from that. Just heroes being douchebags in video games. You're like, that's a perfect idea for a video game. Yeah, because let uh, let's say you're playing an indie, an indie game or a, an old classic game, and you have like you know 99 potions or something like that, or 99 eaters, and you see an eater on the floor in some little girl's house that's like sick on the bed. You don't think about that as a player, just think like, oh man, I'm not going to leave this item here. Like, you know, I better get in a battle outside to get hurt. So I use one potion that I come back and I pick that other potion so that I get my 100% completion of the game. Yeah, you don't exactly think of the moral choices that you're making. You're like, I'm just going to steal from them. Why not? They're just an NPC. Yeah, I was watching um, a YouTuber a couple hours ago and it was like, uh, playing a, an indie game, an alpha game, and he was like, man, I hope they can let me enter in some of these houses so I can get some sweet loot from the houses. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly why we're doing Heroes Ravage. Yeah, I watched, uh, I was watching some videos like in preparation for this interview. Uh, you guys put some videos out on YouTube and I love that it's just, it, the start of the video is the villagers just kind of like, getting ready just kind of sitting around doing their own thing and then randomly like uh like a hook shot gets shot through the window and they just the heroes start flooding in and stealing shit i was like what the (laughs) and i had never Uh, thought about it that way i was like oh my god we are being a-holes we just sit there and steal from all these npcs yeah at first um that trailer was the npcs would you know grab some milks from, from the cows and grab some wheat, then go to the town, sell them, get some axes that are rupees in the game so we don't get copyrighted. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have to think really hard about that, the, the copyright. So, yeah. Uh, but then it just changed and we were, we're like, just let the heroes go to town on, on this. So, yeah, we made the heroes be really, really assholes in that trailer. <laughs> So I did have like a couple questions about uh, kind of the overall gameplay of Heroes Ravage. So you said you play as the villagers. Um, is it other, is it MP, like are the heroes NPCs or um, are you playing against other players? Uh, right now we have the players playing in, as NPCs and the uh, players p- playing as well as heroes. 
in the future we will have uh, we'll maybe have some uh, NPCs playing heroes if that makes sense you know yeah yeah that makes sense you would have computers playing as heroes instead of actual people yeah but the goal of the game is to you know hide your valuables valuables put traps on the house create holes set up your chickens in uh, strategic positions i don't know if you remember from the trailer but if, if you eat the chicken you're, you're basically yeah. screwed it like freaks out and becomes like a lightning bird i was like no it's 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 goes super saiyan oh okay that's yeah, yeah that's more apt it definitely goes super saiyan i i definitely thought that was interesting i was like Oh, it's a normal thing in video games to, like, kill chickens, but very few video games, it's, like, an actual issue. Like, in Skyrim, you can kill a chicken and then everybody hates you, but it's never that you try to kill a chicken and then it just, yeah, goes super sane and kills you instead. Yeah, so the heroes uh, have to be careful when they cannot go well for a prepared defense team. That's what we call the NPC team, a defense team. Uh, they'll have to be careful breaking stuff because usually guys will get like put a, a table in front of the door then a chicken right behind <laughs> it so it, it stays just hidden behind the collider so when the hero slashes the table it hits the chicken and well then the chicken goes super yeah you're just strategically placing on your chickens that's awesome i actually didn't even think about that <laughs> I, I kind of thought the chickens just like randomly walked throughout the map and I was like, oh, that'll, I mean, I feel like that'd be easy to avoid, but if you strategically place them, I guess it makes nah, sense. Nah. <laughs> we, we actually had uh, an alpha test last, uh, like two weekends ago. Uh, I actually invited you. That's yeah, yeah, you alpha. did. I sadly had some stuff going on last weekend, had to edit like a different version of the podcast. Super annoying. But how'd your alpha go? Uh, we had two days of alpha. So we had uh, one at, actually two at Saturday and three in the Sunday. So it's really, that's one of the tough for NDD developer team because we were like, we were three guys uh, on that two days uh, and we had to wake up like at six, six in the morning because we had one test for our Japanese uh, alpha testers. So it's nine hours difference from here. Then in the afternoon, we had the European testers. And late at night, like it's midnight here, uh, we had the Americans playing. So it's a really tough first day because we had a lot of bugs. And we still uh, made an, an patch overnight for the next day. The next day was a lot better the players could actually play the game that's intense though i didn't even think about that like when we hopped on to do this interview you said it was midnight for you and it's only five o'clock for me i was like oh that sucks so bad for you and i i hadn't even thought about when you guys do alphas or betas anything that you need kind of an immediate response you guys have to be awake for that and it's it's a crazy times for you guys yeah it's really stressing and tight and very tiresome, uh, tireful. Like on Mondays, we had uh, on Monday the day after the the test, we had to do an, a meeting for overview, bug fixes, and do another schedule, and we just slept that day. Just... Yeah, 
That makes sense. I I did like a twenty four hour D and D stream for Extra Life. That's Dungeons and Dragons for people who don't know. Um, I I'm gonna admit I didn't make it through. I ended up like throwing up, which is kind of depressing. But uh, yeah, no, I couldn't even stay up that long. It would just that it's impossible for me. I like hibernate. Uh, but I did want to ask you. So you guys are currently working on Heroes Ravage, and we we kind of like briefly have brought up the topic of how you guys got into making heroes ravage and all that stuff. Um, are you guys just working on this or do, is this your, like, are you moonlighting as game developers? And then you also have day jobs. Uh, yeah, I, maybe it's my fault because I shifted off topic on that time. Uh, no, you're totally but, fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, after that meeting, we actually did some, uh, some test like a spriter the spriter did uh, the artist did some sprites and the coder made a prototype and i actually put some sounds there and well one two weeks we like what we saw and one of our guys our artist was actually um, out of his job and uh, the the programmer was actually tired from his job was a corporate job, so he was tired from that. He was coding. Uh, actually, I don't know if you can say that. I can say that project. Yeah, you're totally fine. You don't have to get into specifics. Yeah. <laughs> but but he was doing like a government project, you know, and he was tired of that, and he wanted to do video games. So I had some money, he had some money, and the other guy had some money. We had enough money to support ourselves, because making an indie game is more than buying software, buying uh, like songs, music, buying um, networking, like, we'll get onto that one. Um, we also need to, you know, be able to quote unquote feed ourselves, you know? Yeah, able you, to you live, have to basically. sustain yourselves and yeah. you also have to like be able to put in the man hours to make your game. Yeah, that's the most and most indie developers will tell you that that's the most difficult part because uh, you're um, basically it's like all your income that you saved is now uh, a ticking time clock you know so every month it goes down every month it goes down and that really adds to the pressure you know uh, yeah, of getting I... a game polished and getting the game out there so it's really really tough on that front on the yeah, financial i definitely understand that that's i i at the moment uh just do i i i'm not gonna say what my job is but it's monotonous and i it's a normal 40 hour work week at the job and then i do the moonlighting as parallax uh as senior editor at parallax and i do this podcast um and i i probably have like one tenth of the work that you guys do and i'm i'm tired like all the time so i definitely understand you guys kind of taking some time off making your game and everything uh what would you say like the the best part of making heroes ravages so far is it kind of the creative freedom to make your own game or uh, i guess i'll let you tell me instead of speculating <laughs> <laughs> well it's part part of that is the creative freedom uh and the other part is because we have so many struggles you know and because we are so small and because we have to depend on each other for almost everything 
when we get something actually done and polished, it's just, it's a feeling you can't get anywhere, you know? It's a feeling of progress and it's, it's a feeling that you made something where most people wouldn't want to make it, nor would be capable of making it, if that makes any sense, you know? Yeah, you did something that not many people can do. It's kind of a special skill to make games. I, most people don't want to know how video games are made. And uh, I I personally do. That's why I interviewed developers and want to go into that industry. But uh, yeah, I found that really odd. Not many people want to know. But it it's definitely a time commitment and it takes a special set of skills. Um, I was wondering, uh, today I was listening to a podcast where... Uh, the, the host was talking with a dev from Unity. I was wondering what engine Heroes Ravage runs in. D are you guys like running in Unity or yeah. uh, Unreal? No, no, we are doing in Unity. And Unity is not really too much set up for a 2D type of game and not a multiplayer type of game with uh, matchmaking and ranking systems. That's actually not something we have. We add in the game for the alpha. It's something that we are polishing, but we have the code ready for almost one year now. One year now, you know, for 12 months we had that code ready, but only now we are turning it on and polishing it. That's one of the many things about game development, because you can make a prototype in two weeks with almost everything you want to do, but it's all rough and broken i guess and you take months months polishing it and making it you know playable making it uh, uh like making candy to dice you know making pleasable to to see uh, uh, and that's really something tough principally with unity because we had to recode some some parts to be able to handle the 2d game that we're making and more than that we are an indie development team that's making a multiplayer game. That's an old, that's another level. That's like five steps more difficult than doing a single player indie game. Yeah, because not only do you guys have to worry about like if it works with one player, you have to worry about how it works with like four, yeah. eight, or whatever. Computer specs, uh, screen specs, uh, type of CPUs. Um, internet connections or internet connections that's really tough one because how can you simulate when one has x lag or his pc is slow so the lag comes from the pc not the internet and whoa that's just we actually i can give you an example we have we have talked to one publisher uh, actually we have we have talked already with a lot of publishers but we talked with one publisher that to make a, like to try our game and to test our game, and we actually found one major, major. Uh, it's not game breaking, but it was slowing down the performance of the game on i5 computers with the CPU i5 computers. So we had to record a part of the game to uh, take in account that, and that's something that we wouldn't know because. Like I have one, I have two computers in my house, and another guy has two computers, and more two of our elements of the team have one computer each, and you can't really test, you know, the game on several machines, 
So this is a really tough process to iterate on, you know? Yeah, quality assurance is, is kind of like, it's definitely hard to do. I guess, yeah, that's why developers do like alphas and betas. I, I don't think a lot of people realize. So there's been a lot of talk within the past like two years kind of with games as a service and how their launches typically are pretty bad um, because they just, there there's not really any way that you can simulate what it's going to be like when a bunch of people uh, pop onto your servers and play your game. So yeah, I, I definitely understand the, the issues that come from trying to make your game for everybody, but you also don't know what works and what doesn't work until yeah. people try it. Until they break it. And one thing that really uh, puts a ship on our shoulders sometimes and we get really, some of the other uh, indie developers might feel this way as well. When some, you know, like Bioware, for example, they put a tag alpha test on their Anthem game. That's not an alpha test, you know. That's not an alpha test. That's like yeah. a demo for the game. That doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, the the alpha starts in January, but the game comes out like two months later, a month later. You're like, that's how can that be an alpha? Your game is like done. How does yeah. that make any sense? <laughs> in indie terms, an alpha is we have all the basic uh, mechanics and core features in the game, but they are not polished. So you need to test them to see if they work. If there are things you need to change, rework, you know, before those things are in place, we are in pre-alpha. So pre-alpha is the place where maybe one version of the game, uh, you can play it in the next version, everything's broken. So when we reach the alpha, most of the times you can play the game without crashing, but there's a lot of bugs and a lot of issues. When you pass alpha, that's when all the core mechanics are implemented, but not polished. And there's missing a lot of content. When you add the content, then you are in beta. And in beta, you have to test that content. That's another test. And I feel like all the major AAA games are now putting their games in pre-alpha. And they are shifting the perception of what an alpha is, you know? Yeah, they're they're kind of like, I, I've noticed that it seems like kind of, a scapegoat for AAA developers like with uh yeah. fallout 76 recently coming out people have been saying oh if it just released and they said it was in beta it would have been a completely different story but it's like it's not in beta though this is what you made your game to be so yeah i i definitely i get the the shifted perception because honestly up until you just explained it it's. I feel like the ball has been kind of up in the air on what exactly an alpha or beta is, at least for me. Because everybody's like, oh yeah, it's an alpha, and my game comes out two weeks from now. Congratulations, it's super exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's the perspective. That's what we devs call it, you know. Maybe other people have other meanings to it. That's what our team calls an alpha and a beta and a pre-alpha we had we was we were almost in 12 months on a pre-alpha when we reach when we reach alpha we made an alpha test you know and when we reach the next milestone we do we will do another test and when we reach we reach beta we will do another test and that's that's the best way for indie developer to test their games 
and to see and to you know uh, crush the uh, the bugs and get a polished product for the other players you know the players that haven't experienced all that pain of playing the game that uh, they will be to be able to experience a, a good game a polished game you know yeah are, are you guys possibly thinking about going uh into early access or are you pretty much just going to hold out until the game is fully finished to release we actually are thinking about going into early access but uh in a more later stage you know once we get uh, more features in place because right now we have the core features in place for instance in our game you'll be able to um, ride the chicken you know <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> uh, as a as a villager you may be able to hop on your chicken and walk around and if your chicken goes uh, super sane she'll be faster you can hop on it and go faster you know that's the those uh, kind of fun things that you want to do but takes a lot of work to get it right so uh, until we get some of the features in place uh, like for instance we have uh, just put in place yesterday i think it was yesterday the the first phase of our questing system for the heroes so when you play a hero on heroes ravage you need to get materials like for instance you may get uh, potions or hammers or hook shots, or bombs, or crowbars. So if the villagers shut their doors with metal bars, you get a crowbar as a hero and you just force it open, you know? Yeah, you <laughs> have you to just... gain the materials to actually siege their homes. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, I don't know if you play uh, Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, I, I have the played past. it. Yeah, okay, so we are taking that approach with Heroes Ravage, you know? So the attacking team, the hero team, will get materials to siege the NPC's house. Yeah, it's it, there's like a strategy element to it because they have to gather the materials and also think yeah, yeah, about yeah. what they're going to yeah, do. That, yeah, and that's something that we just put two days ago and we are testing it right now. Uh, the questing system, the map, um, and from our playthrough... We didn't find that many bugs, but we've we found some, you know. And until we make sure we don't have game-breaking bugs, like for instance, you get a bug that you are walking around, and let's say you have a hat on your head, a cosmetic hat, a Santa hat, for instance, since we are close to Christmas, and for some reason, like the code goes way wire or the network glitches, and instead of uh, sent a hat you have uh, a plant on your head and you're like what the hell is happening right here that's that's what we call a it's fine bug <laughs> you know it's fine you can still play you have a flower in your, on your head but you can still play the game you know yeah it's really not game bad... breaking <laughs> yeah it's not game breaking we actually had some bugs where players would play without heads as well because you can customize your head and your skin face, your eye color. And we had a bug where players were running headless. That's terrifying. <laughs> That's really terrifying. Uh, especially if you're an NPC seeing heroes without heads camping into your house. Yeah, that, uh, That's a sight to be seen. That's uh, amazing. But... That's like psychological <laughs> torture. <laughs> uh, yeah, but 
the bugs that really hurt the players are the bugs where you get stuck. Oh yeah, you're like getting stuck in a wall or a tree. Yeah, you get stuck on a tree or simply just you made something that we weren't expecting because players always find a way to always find ways to crash the game with the, in ways that we never thought about. And <laughs> those are the bugs that we need to crash before we go into early access. Uh, early access. And those are the ones we can't find unless we have um, closed alpha tests. And that's why devs and indie devs have alpha tests. Nice. Yeah. I, I honestly, I really, uh, I really respect you guys for kind of like doing your due diligence before you even put your game in early access. Cause I, I also feel like early access is kind of a crutch. Like you, there are a lot of games that go into early access and it's just like, I, I you it seems like you they didn't even try necessarily um but it it's really awesome that you guys are really doing your due diligence here and you're trying to make sure there is enough content in your game uh for players to actually justify going into early access um yeah, because uh, I maybe I'll just touch one thing before uh I don't know if you know the networking uh, that we use associated with Unity that's Photon. Have you heard about it? No. I worked in Unity for like a very short portion of time when I wanted to be a game dev, and then I realized I'm not talented, so I just talk about it instead. Uh, So for our networking, um, we are using Photon right now. And oh boy, oh boy. We actually had to (laughs) recode that... uh, that piece of uh, of software for Photon, and we had to recode in a way that maybe the Photon developers should have thought about that, uh, but in a good way, in a good way, in a good way, um, <laughs> because uh, what we are doing they were not expecting. Because Photon basically is a, a networking solution for uh, indie games that allows. Um, you know, allows the tools and they have most of the work done from the network. So you add that to your game and you can uh, speed up the process for the multiplayer. The problem is Photon doesn't really like matchmakings, you know. Photon right, likes games where it's always online. So like um, you have uh, like like in the MMO or something like that, and you connect, and the world is always online, you know? Yeah, there's no, like, offline option? Yeah, that's no no options for matchmaking. So if you want to make a team-based game, like we are doing, and you did need to take into account the skill level of players, so, like, players that are rank 10 in the world are not matching against newbies that come for the first time. Because the newbies are going to get crushed and not play again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's really, really, really tough thing to do when you have to pick up the code from somebody else and you start repurposing for your game. And that's one of the things that maybe other developers, indie developers, have an issue with as well. Is well, they don't have resources to code their network from scratch, like us do, as, as um, we don't do as well. Um, so we have to take some of this 
already available softwares to help us speed up the process, but they create so many problems along the way. Really tough, really tough. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard, um, like, it's kind of like a too many kicks in the, kicks, cooks in the kitchen yeah. uh, kind of a thing. Like, somebody made it, but now you have to, like, riff off of it because it's not exactly what you need, but yeah. it is, it, it gets you halfway there. Our, our network engineer one day was so angry. Let's call it angry. <laughs> was so angry that he said, uh, basically, I don't know if I can swear this. I will swear. Oh yeah, feel one. free. Don't worry about uh, it. I said douchebag earlier. <laughs> okay, okay. He just said, "Fuck this shit. I'm gonna recode everything and I'm gonna make our own <laughs> server." And and we just said, "We'd calm down, take a break. <laughs> we'll meet again tomorrow." <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> because it was really, and I believe he would make it. You know, while he was working three, four, five, six months on our new uh, server architecture, you, we wouldn't be improving the game. Yeah. So we can't have that right now. We yeah, you kind of got to... the game. You got to live with the flaws that we have and mitigate them the best that we can. Yeah, you and guys are prioritizing your yeah, core yeah. content. Yeah, and that sometimes means... And this is really sad to say, but sometimes means uh, dialing down on some mechanics and shifting some of the game design to fit the networking. Because uh, when you design a game, you start from a sheet of paper. And when we actually get it in place, sometimes you have to shift and change and put the pieces of the puzzle so everything runs smoothly like for instance you could have a major dragon boss battle with a hundred players playing we could do that but is it going to run smoothly maybe not so <laughs> i guess if we have a boss battle with a smaller dragon and instead of a hundred people maybe four people Maybe it will it will work and people will have more fun that way. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. You guys are working in the constraints that you're given. That's that's admirable. <laughs> so uh, you yeah. talked earlier about um, how you guys had like reached out to different publishers and that's how you ended up finding kind of this big bug. Um, on our previous interview with Greg Lobanov, uh, he had spoken about like publishers and such. I actually, I was just kind of curious, how do you like find publishers to reach out to? Do you just like go for like Devolve or Digital and kind of the standard ones or are you guys just, yeah, I'll let you answer it. <laughs> <laughs> so we do, we do a research on the developers that fit our game. We look at past games that we like. And we look at the, what the developer likes to publish. And that's very important. And uh, one of our devs look, um, watch uh, a lot of interviews from, uh, from publishers that some, they do those uh, like expositions talking about what games they publish, what games they like. And we made a list of the publishers that we like. And then uh, we started contacting them, and that's that's it. 
it's simple. You just start sending emails to them. Yeah, that's that's pretty simple. <laughs> it's pretty simple. You just need to make uh, very uh, well thought out written emails. That's the that's the most hard part about the the process. Actually, yeah, the hard part, but the most frustrating part is the re- response times. So each email back and forth from publishers is at minimum two weeks. Ah. Uh. That'd be like holding your breath for two weeks. That would suck so bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I cannot go, you know, too further into this with the talks that we are having right now. Oh yeah, you're but, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, indie developers are always looking for someone else to support us, to support them, not only financially, you know, but uh, in logistics and marketing. So the big key here for most dev teams is financials, you know, because they want to keep coding and they want to keep spriting and they want to keep doing what they like. But if that's not an option, please help us with the logistics and the marketing. Because if, if we don't have to think about those two things, then we will be speeding up our development in 50 to 70%. And that's why we contact the the publishers and that's why publishers want to hear us as well because they also profit from it all right yeah i don't know if that, if that answers your question <laughs> that yeah that maybe totally you wanted like me to say uh you go to that website where you have that list and you have yeah no i expected it to be i mean i expected it to be way more complicated i don't know why i just Instead of like uh, shooting off an email, I'm expecting that you have to like jump through hoops, which I guess you kind of have to because you also have to find out like uh, publishers' histories and see what kind of games they publish and if you'd even approach them because it it wouldn't make sense to like reach out to a, a publisher that only publishes like adventure games and you're like, I have this multiplayer game about like heroes killing villagers and stealing their shit. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um... Did you play Worms? I have in... played a little bit of Worms, yeah. Yeah. So you know Team uh, 17, right? Sorry about that. <laughs> no, team 17. Yeah. We talk, we talk with them, you know. And it wasn't that hard to get in contact with the... We actually talked with the CEO in the, and actually the CEO as well. Uh, and we talked about our game and what games they publish, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's a dialogue that we that you can have with about 30% of the publishers. Okay, most of them are, are open to dialogue. So if you have a, a game that they can play, because they will always ask you for a playable version, uh, you can just send it to them and they'll play it, they'll test it in-house and they'll talk back to you and give you their thoughts. And you will have nice dialogues. We actually made some tweaks on our game with uh, talking with some publishers that can be a, uh, a good uh, can be good for for the game that you're making if you're an indie dev so don't be shy about talking with publishers just shoot an email to you maybe if you're an indie developer you know probably two or three publishers that you like and if they uh, publish indie games just send them an email and send them your build they'll be happy to receive it. Huh. 
that's that's awesome yeah i i didn't i don't know why i keep expecting the games industry to be like less flexible than it actually is i I'm like expecting it to be like full of all these stern people who are like you have to come through me st through specific channels i don't know why i think it like that uh so uh, while we're on the topic of like publishers and everything um do you guys like have any dream platforms that you'd want to release on or just uh any platforms like in mind i'm assuming pc obviously but uh are you just like shooting for nintendo switch because you guys are obviously big fans of like the legend of zelda <laughs> <laughs> sorry that's a weird question you don't have to no no no, no. Uh, uh, we are looking at other platforms and we are looking at uh, several services where we can launch the game one of them is on PC and on Steam. The rest of them, I cannot talk about them right now. Okay. Yeah, you're totally fine. That <laughs> it totally makes sense. Yeah, you don't want to like talk about it or make any promises before it's it's yeah, a real thing. That's right. Because when you make a game for PC uh, and you actually want to port the game, that's several steps that you need to take. One of them is to get the hardware. You know, you need to have the dev kit for that hardware to be able to make the game for that hardware. Uh, because if you don't have that, you'll be coding blindly and you'll be making something blind. And maybe you'll know one or two ports that were made, let's say, for PlayStation or the Switch that are broken, simply broken. So you need to have uh, the dev kits. And to have the dev kits, you need to talk with the the platforms and the platforms and that's all i'm gonna say about that right now <laughs> yeah you're totally that's fine. that's harder than talking with publishers oh i totally understand from what i i've heard people like uh on other podcasts devs talk about how hard it is to get like your games on nintendo's eShop and stuff like that just because they require you to do some crazy stuff um i did I, I have kind of a weird question and feel free to not answer it if you want to um but last week on our podcast my co-host josh he asked a question that i thought was really interesting um because we actually have a section of our podcast called god bless the crowd and it's where we go into like crowdfunding sites and we find like indie games and we talk about them uh generally something that they do is they'll be like okay if we reach like 50,000, um, like past our goal or whatever, uh, we'll release it on Nintendo Switch. His question was, um, and I'm assuming that you, you should be able to answer this, but if you don't want to, you don't have to. Um, he wanted to know why it takes so long. So you like release it on Steam and then uh, Hollow Knight, for instance, is where it came up. They released it on Steam and then a year later it came to Nintendo Switch. But he was like, oh, why does it take so long? Um, and I speculated that it's kind of like making a game from the ground up because you have to make it for a full new platform. Would that kind of answer it? <laughs> uh, not really. It's worse than that. Oh, sweet. I'm so glad it's worse. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't know that game, so I can't speak about that game. But I can speak about an hypothetical game. Uh, let's call it uh, sword play for PC. Something like let's say you control the sword with your mouse, and you slash enemies with your mouse, and you move with uh, let's say the arrow keys like 
or the normal ice d w and space to jump and you just swing your sword with your mouse let's say we have that game um the sword play game and you make it like you work on that game for three years or something like that like that and you make the indiegogo or a kickstarting campaign and you're like oh my god i really need like 50k or something like that so i can sustain myself and finish the game in the next five to ten months unless if i don't get that i'll need to find a job so that's can you picture that situation yeah yeah that it definitely makes sense okay. <laughs> so he gets funded and it gets funded unless uh, more than he wanted he gets funded twice three times more right and he says well let me have some stretch goals right so if i get funded like 50 percent more data than what i have right now i'll make a port for a switch for example and then he, he actually gets that stretch goal and he goes like oh oh fuck now you've got to make it <laughs> oh fuck no no that's not the problem because he, he spent three years developing a game for pc where you have to swing your sword with your mouse because on switch there's no mouse so how is go how is his uh, character gonna swing his sword on switch you'll have to swing his sword with the buttons and the controllers already in place oh damn let me just finish this on pc first <laughs> so he finishes it on pc first gets the sales then he goes well now i have to do this for switch and now he picks up the code that he did and he has to repurpose all that code for switch and he has to redesign the game to make sense on switch and because he has a game already made on pc the game cannot be different on switch you see the dilemma here yeah you've got to make the same game but with a different I... design yeah you have to make the same game with a different design and a different key mapping that's insane so I mean, the... yeah let alone maybe a different user interface i guess depending on yeah. what game you're making yeah. that's insane that's just any programmer would shoot himself in the head before he <laughs> does that so what games do and what we actually uh is uh, we start the design already thinking about that so when we you start the design thinking already about uh, controllers okay mm -hmm. it becomes much easier to port the game much much easier and that can be done like in less than six months wow. but you have to plan it you have to be prepared for it yeah, it's, it can't be an afterthought. You have to do it beforehand, or at least you have, if you it have is to an code it, it's harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to code thinking about it. Because if you code the game you do, you, and you don't think about controllers or ports, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> well, there you go. I guess our, our listeners and my co-host now have hit their answer on why it takes a while. It's because it's a hard thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they didn't plan it yeah that is why it's hard. that's true that definitely makes sense uh one of the last few questions i wanted to ask you so you um you guys are obviously looking forward to uh 
coming to PC and Steam. Um, has the the recent news about uh, like Valve changing their revenue shares? Um, has that kind of like changed your ideas on whether or not you guys want to go uh, through Steam or maybe through uh, change it to where you go through like Epic's Game Store instead? Or are you guys uh, is it not really like affecting you at the moment? So it's like a Steam thing. Uh, you want the short or the long answer on this one? I mean, shoot, this is a long-winded interview, so feel free. Go as long as you want. <laughs> uh, the short answer is yes. We are looking into it. We actually knew about that before it was announced, but... Uh, hmm. <laughs> okay, okay, so... We are based on the EU, all right? So we are in the European Union. And the European Union has some laws against privacy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that, that the rest of the world will later catch on. Um, and right now, the other alternatives, they uh, are missing some of the legal components. They'll, they'll soon do it you know, because they want to catch up to Steam. But Steam is already, you know, well-placed here in Europe. And uh, as uh, as a really active uh, response to government regulation, uh, because here in Europe, it's like the United States is every state, I guess, has their laws. Here in Europe, is even worse because it's countries. And countries may have very 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 different laws and steam takes really quick actions to the new legislation that passes Um, and uh, talking about epic games they have to reach that level before we can think and other games based on europe can think about moving there but uh, but they'll they'll go they'll reach there they'll reach there they're just gonna take them some time i don't know how much time but they'll do it quick. Yeah, you don't want to break any laws by accidentally putting your game on Epic's game store, I guess. <laughs> no, it's it's an issue of um, we having to change our game to put it on, on a store, and we want we don't want to do that. We want to put our game is in its vanilla state or in its uh, real state, and we don't want to change the game. And that goes as well for other platforms. We don't want to change the game. We don't want to redesign the game. We want to, we want to players to be able to play the game cross-platform, and each one of them have the same experience. Either if you are playing on PC or on XYZW. <laughs> yeah, that definitely I didn't makes fall sense. For that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I kind of caught you off guard with that question. I was just curious no, no. about it. Um, so let's say, like in in the hypothetical future, uh, Epic's game store like gets to that point. Um, are you guys really like concerned about the uh, the revenue share, and you guys would want to like switch to that platform, um, or are are you guys like diehard Steam guys? So, Valve did this for us. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, what? Uh, that loyalty is good sometimes, but uh, when you're dealing with finance, there's no no loyalty in the finance world. Um, 
That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what I say is many games will do. Why, why not both? Right? So yeah, Steam why not is, put it on has, several stores? Yeah. Steam has a great, great, great player base right now. Uh, not only about numbers, but their player base is used to buying indie games. And that's really good for an indie developer. Because you have a player base that's already predisposed to buying a certain type of product. I don't want to go too executive on this. Um, the, the Epic Store right now has another type of clientele. It's, an, it's another type of client. And he's looking for a certain type of product. And that product is more of a double A type of game. If, if that makes uh, yeah, sense to you. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, they're they're looking for, like, not necessarily AAA, but they're wanting the, the polish close to AAA, as, yeah. as as opposed to, like, indies, where it's like, this is, it, it's about character in indies. It doesn't always have to look the best, because I love pixel art. That's But some people find it really ugly. I'm like, you're dumb. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but... Uh... The difference in processing is so, so huge that almost everyone's gonna uh, make a copy there. So I doubt that Steam will say this can only be exclusively launched here, or Epic Games will say that. So publishers and developers will just launch it on both. <laughs> are you guys? Uh, are you guys kind of? I wouldn't say afraid, but are you weary of uh, kind of like the overpopulation of these platforms? So like Steam has just a ridiculous amount of indies on it at the moment. Um, and discoverability is an issue. Are you guys like kind of afraid about that? Uh, like publishing on these platforms? Uh, that's something called uh, operational investigation. I don't know if that's the term in English, but that's the translation I can give you. So when you do uh, investigation on op operational investigation, you see where the audience uh, usually likes to go. For instance, let's say you want to open a hairdresser, and there's and there's a street in your town that has five hairdressers, right? And you, uh, on the street. Next tweet on the other side, there's no hairdressers. And you say, I'm going to put an hairdresser on the other street that has no one there, right? Because there's no one there on that street, I'll get more revenue. That's a wrong way of thinking about it. Because if you put your hairdresser on the five already available, you're going to increase by one. But all the people in the town know that that street is the street of hairdressers. So if you want to cut your hair, you go to that street. Maybe you have a favorite one or not, but you go to that street. The other street is not known for having a hairdresser. So you're going to get people walking on that street that are not looking to get a haircut. And that's what I think about Steam and Epic right now. But that's only my own opinion, okay, on this. Yeah, your your opinion is your own kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not talking about the Pixel Dinos team on that one. It's, uh, <laughs> people are looking for indies, they go to Steam. 
right yeah. now. That's very true. Whenever I want to find an indie on PC, I I don't go to like GOG or Humble Bundle. I pretty much just go to Steam. Because you are used to seeing indie games on Steam. That's the indie street. Right? Now you have an epic street down down the road. And that epic stream's got triple A's and double A's games there. And if you want to play a triple A or a double double A game, maybe you'll go there. But you're not going there to see an indie. And if you see an indie, you have less probability of buying that. Wow. I can honestly say I've learned a lot from this interview. <laughs> you've, you've taught me quite a bit in the past uh, like hour or so. Thank you very much for that. There's, there's one last question I really wanted to know. And this is, this is off topic and it's going to be weird. Okay. But I want to know what your, yeah, what's your weirdest fear? This is a question I asked my like co-host a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. And to give you a little bit of background, my weirdest fear, which I didn't actually know is a thing, people are legitimately scared of this, is like the unknown in open water because I'm scared mm. of like lake and river mo- and like ocean monsters, like the Kraken and shit. I'm legitimately scared of it. So what's your weirdest fear if you'd like to tell me i guess <laughs> actually that's some people have some that fear not fear but maybe anxiety when they are on deep water because they also always fear the sharks and the unknown maybe i have something as of um, as that as well but that's not my weirdest fear weirdest <laughs> fear hmm uh, Jake Decker's was umbrellas. He was like, I'm kind umbrellas. of afraid of the rain because I'm always afraid an umbrella is going to stab me in the eyeball. <laughs> That's actually not the question that I was hoping to receive from a, a day of answer. Let, let me see. Let me see. Yeah, feel free. Take your time. <laughs> not many people are probably expecting me to ask them some stupid ass questions. <laughs> Weirdest fear. I guess it's better than asking you if you like candy corn. I did that. <laughs> yeah. We we actually don't have candy corn here. Uh, really? Here. No freaking way. It's because it sucks. Don't worry. You don't need it. <laughs> okay. Really? Okay. <laughs> we have uh, fried corn, uh, but sweet corn, never heard of it. <laughs> Weirdest fear. I have normal fears, but that's what everyone has. <laughs> you don't have a weird one that's just like people that look like spiders. And I'm like, how does that work? You're like, I don't know. Just people that look like spiders. <laughs> uh, I can't really think about anything right now. Yeah, you're good. You don't You don't have to answer it now. I'll hit Maybe you back up later. I can tell you a little <laughs> story. I don't know if it fits, but when I was a teen... Uh, I and a group of friends went camping in the mountains and um, uh, we, one of the guys was a local from there and he, he started talking about stories about wild uh, boars and uh, telling uh, that wild boars usually charge people at night and we actually didn't have lights and we were 16 brave and stupid <laughs> and uh, we actually went to find those animals at <laughs> four o'clock in the morning because why not and uh, 
we were walking down the road, all shit afraid. <laughs> and then we heard a sound like, I'm not going to say the sound, but we, we heard a loud sound, plants rustling and large sounds happening and just, you know, guys started running. I started, I never ran so fast in my life. I ran straight line <laughs> above the mountains, jump everywhere. Guys jumped into ditches, like everybody was afraid. It was a flock of birds that got <laughs> scared by us, us walking around. Since then, whenever I walk at night, I always remember that story and I'm always like 100% super adrenaline hype walking at night. Just now, every yeah, time guess... you see or hear a bird, you're like, oh shit, <laughs> it's a boar. No, it's... Uh... Like it's one o'clock here in the morning. If I go for a walk, like a hundred meter walk or something, my senses are gonna go into hyper adrenaline. <laughs> if I hear some noise, I'm gonna start running. I guess <laughs> that's a fear. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That's some fight or flight stuff right there. You, it's probably healthy that you'd run. <laughs> yeah, the guys. Some of the guys jumped into ditches. And, well, we had the laugh about that. But, I mean, it's it's a good thing you didn't run into any wild boars. They're crazy. Like wild boars and pigs, they'll eat anything, including humans. That freaks me out. I'm yeah, not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, it wasn't that. that. Well, at least I wasn't going to be the one eaten up. <laughs> I, got, I got that going for me as well. <laughs> Luckily, you're faster than your friends. You're like, I don't have to outrun it. I just have to outrun you. Uh, uh, well, I did track from... I did track four years when I was 16. I, so, yeah, no one could outrun me <laughs> for my life. But that's funny how quick you ditch your friends when you're trying to run for your life. <laughs> All camaraderie goes out the door. You're like, we're not friends anymore. Sorry. <laughs> it's that's basic awesome. instincts uh, striking in. So uh, then I'm going to, you usually do a question on your podcast, and I'm going to do a question for you as well. What indie games did you play this week? This week? That's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's that's also part of our podcast. Interesting. Uh, indie games that I played this week, um, I've been playing Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom. Uh, it's really good. It's the latest in the, in the Monster Boy series. Um, or I guess, I, I think it's technically called the Monster Boy series. It's a little odd. It's a long series um i played a little bit of desert child i uh i actually i want to platinum it but at the moment i've only just beaten it i beat chasm uh this last week and i'm going to be getting into a uh i mean this will this is going to take a little while to come out so i'm not too worried about saying it um i'm going to be playing uh battle princess madeline for review um i'm really excited about that but i've been Apparently the the publisher or the the dev team. Speaking of like issues with development and stuff like that, uh, the indie dev team, I guess, were having like some issues uh, with like publishing their game on Nintendo Switch and PS4. Um, so the the Xbox and PC versions of the game came out like earlier this month, um, but the PS4 and Switch versions had to like stay with the initial release date instead of being released early because they had issues with the platform so that's kind of interesting but yeah those those are the ones i'm playing this week 
I didn't expect to get a question back from you, but I guess I kind of threw you off with the weirdest fear. So <laughs> makes sense. You're, you're playing a lot of indie games. You, yeah. Uh, so you're not a completionist type of of gamer, are you? Trying to get all the achievements and that stuff. I wish I was. I I wish I was that. Oh, okay, so here's the reason why I'm shit at video games. I'm just not good at them. So like, there achieve uh, there are trophies in Chasm. Like one of them is like beat a boss without being hit. I get hit like forty times. It's impossible. Like and yeah, there's just some trophies that I'm like, I know I'm never gonna get it. So I'm just not gonna try. <laughs> did you did you finish Dark Souls? No, once again, shit at video games. Yeah, (laughs) those are the get good games that Josh plays that I don't play because I'm not good at them. (laughs) Those games are really, really stressful. Yeah, usually you you want to play games for you know for the experience, the interactive of that, for the entertainment, or for fun, or for to forget a bit about reality and decompress. But if you're playing Dark Souls, you're not getting any of that. Yeah, you just want to die. (laughs) <laughs> you're just playing for the i'm gonna do this type of feeling yeah that's the the get good feeling yeah <laughs> i i actually love those games like the dark souls games and neo and bloodborne i love them and i love their aesthetic but i'm just so bad at them like i bought uh there's an indie game uh it's a 2d side scroller kind of like it it in my opinion, it kind of pales in comparison to the Dark Souls series and such, but it's modeled after it. It's called Salt and Sanctuary that I recently just bought. Um, and I'm kind of afraid of getting into it because I'm like, I'm just so bad. I don't think I'm going to get anywhere. That and Death's Gambit, I really want to play. Both indie games. But Let me tell you a yeah. bit of a, a secret about development of games. Actually, those games are really, really good for the developers because sometimes... For instance, on Dark Souls 3, uh, you get some really, really nasty and ugly-looking bugs, and just, <laughs> they just say, "Well, well, fuck it. They are, they get good or they die. Fuck it." <laughs> I'm uh, sometimes when I play those games and maybe other developers as well, they just say, "They just call this bug a feature." <laughs> yeah i've always heard that about the dark souls series they're like yeah the best thing about from software is that when they have bugs they just say it's supposed to be there <laughs> it makes the yeah. game harder <laughs> yeah. like you have a bug of uh, an enemy going past to some wall and swinging a sword that goes past all the obstacles that doesn't detect the collision for some mistake that they did for the layers or something like that or a line of code that it's not in the right directory, and they just say, fuck it, it's a feature. <laughs> You're like, get good, bitch. It's over. <laughs> uh, one of the games that I played in maybe a few weeks ago, I don't have much time. I played Heroes Rabbit. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, one of the games I played is my own. You should play it too. It's it's an alpha. <laughs> uh, was uh, CrossCode. Have you played those, that game? No, uh, I wish Josh was available for this pot for this interview. Josh has played CrossCode and he really likes it. That's actually from a European team, a German team. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I guess CrossCode is like uh, it was inspired by the Dot Hack series of games. I recently bought Dot Hack Last Recode, but that has nothing to do with it I, for some reason felt like saying that <laughs> do you know how, how long those guys were developing that game 
Uh, no, but I would assume like five years, three to five years. Oh, shit. Because they started from uh, incubation, uh, incubation program. Is that how you, you say it? Uh, it's basically uh, programs where you have an idea and uh, an organization or something like that will support you incubating that idea and, and they will take a cut from it. So they started that. I don't know how many years years they uh, stay doing that. Maybe two or three years doing that. Then they did an Indiegogo campaign or um, or some other Yeah, like a uh, crowdfunding. crowdfunding campaign. Yeah, yeah. Then they spend more like five years from the end of that campaign and they release the game. That game, I'm telling you, it's maybe the best polished indie game that I have ever played. That Dang. game is really, really, really polished. I give major, major props to that team. They did something really amazing and I'm really hoping they continue that story. Or make uh, a game in the like cross code two or something like that, because they really outdone, outdone de- themselves with that. That's one example of an indie team like sticking with their guns for almost a decade. That's really amazing. Dang! With that kind of a glowing recommendation, I'm gonna have to buy it now. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's a really good game. Is there any last thoughts or anything you wanted to let our like listeners know about Heroes Ravage or uh, or, or Pixel Dinos? Yeah, uh, actually, I'll tell two more things. One about development I haven't touched here. Go for it. What do you What do you think is the hardest part of development? I'm saying about uh, resources, so programming, networking, uh, spriting sound design from those what do you think it's the hardest i would assume networking and you would be right oh, now from boom yeah dude. <laughs> and now from those fours which one it takes the longest to make takes the longest to make yeah uh, um i would probably say sound design but you'd, you'd be missing because ah, it's sprighting. I thought I was so good at this game. <laughs> <laughs> it's 50%. It's a positive result. Uh, sprighting. If you look at the team of CrossCode, I think they have like, I don't know if I'll be wrong with this, but maybe they'll have seven or more guys, uh, boys and girls working on, the, on art there. And that's really really uh, talented people working. Uh, when you're doing an indie game, uh, you have to you know, build a map from scratch, unless you're buying assets from the asset store. But if you're doing an indie, staying true to the roots, you're spriting everything from scratch. And you're doing uh, animations, and you're doing uh, uh, weapons, clots, armors, NPCs, worlds, uh, monsters, damaging states, uh, drinking states. Like we have a system in Heroes Ravage where you you actually see you putting an object in your pouch and taking it out. And that's all 
more animations. We have an animation when you have um, items on your head and you scroll with the the mouse uh, the mouse wheel on your inventory. Uh, we actually don't just shift the item from like a bomb to a potion. We actually have a, uh, an animation of L of uh, facing away. You know the 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 bomb faces away to a potion. So just think about it that a bomb faces to a potion, then a bomb has to face to a weapon. It's different to for a sword, for a hammer, for a hook, for a boomerang. It's different for a spear, it's different for a boots. If the boots are red, it's a red face. If the boots are green, it's a green face. It's If there's another item like a orb, if the orb is green, it's facing green, like an orb shape. So it's really, really, really insane. And what dev teams need the most are artists, because that's the bottleneck of the project. Usually, uh, is there where it where it happens. So our our artist has been working really really hard. Like we only have one, and he's been like sleeping like a bat. <laughs> Yeah, you guys have some great art in your game from what I've seen. It's it's very pretty. I'm not I'm not afraid to admit that. I think it looks awesome. I love a lot of your guys' pixel sprites. Yeah. That's uh and that's one thing I wanna talk about Euros Ravage like some self promotion here. Shameless self promotion. Yeah, dude, uh, do some shameless plugs. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. When you create your character on Euros Ravage, you'll be able to customize your character like really really customize your character like clothes uh, hats hair types body types uh, weapons all kinds of weapons ice swords flaming hammers golden nooks bone boomerangs like all kinds of uh, cosmetic items and that's all thanks to our uh, amazing amazing animator that we have and that's something the players can look forward to to have uh, uh, I don't know, a Sephiroth lookalike or something along those lines. You're talking to the right guy from this podcast because I, <laughs> I specifically am like obsessed with being able to customize my characters. The like one criticism that I had of Chasm was that when I put on different armor, I didn't actually put on the armor. I just got the stats and that annoyed me. <laughs> But now knowing that it's such a big like endeavor, totally makes sense why they do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we want the players, you know, when you customize your character, you feel that player is you. You know, it's your avatar, it's you, it represents you. And when you interact with players, instead of being uh, interacting with, let's say, Cloud, or Cloud is interacting with um, Sephiroth, you're actually thinking I'm interacting with Sephiroth. You know, that's a really important part of uh, this um, allowing players to be able to customize their characters. And that's, some, that's something that we're going to heavily do on Heroes Ravage. That's awesome. So, and, <laughs> and you'll be able to customize your chicken as well. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I love the obsession with chickens. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll be able to change the chicken to um, a dinosaur or a, 
a lizard or a turtle or actually um, a dodge, you know, that meme. <laughs> and awesome. you'll be able to ride that dodge into battle. And that's the very cool parts. That's the cool uh, crumbs that we're putting on Heroes Ravage to make the experience more, more fun for the players, more pleasant. And uh, we want to have all those moments. So, hey, just, hey, 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 just look at this, look at this. And, and that's what, what is great about multiplayer games. When you are playing with a buddy and you can say, hey, stop doing that, come look at this, look at what I found. That's we very want, true. And, yeah, yeah. And we want to have that. Also, for uh, everyone listening, uh, please go to at PixelDinos on Twitter, and we actually have a giveaway going on for um, a Steam card that we're going to give on Christmas. So it's four to five days from now. Yeah, by the time this posts, uh, you should still have some time for your giveaway. I was actually going to ask you what your giveaway was for, because I saw that. That's pretty sweet. It's a Steam card. It's uh, it's not much. It's uh, $10. $10, no, it's uh, $12. It's 10 euros. <laughs> you 12 make the bucks conversion. Is 12 bucks. Yeah, you're good. 12 bucks. <laughs> so you'll be able to buy a, an indie game. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Uh how do you guys, how would our listeners enter your guys' giveaway? Uh, you go to at PixelDinos on Twitter. You click the link uh, that we have there and you actually just need to follow, follow us on Twitter or put your email. Simple as that. Sweet. That's that's super easy. Yeah, uh, Parallax, the the place I actually do this podcast for. Now that I think about it, um, it uh, we're also doing a giveaway as well. That you, oh. I, I think we actually do it through the same site. Yeah, uh, you just go to at uh, Parallax Media underscore, I believe is our Twitter handle. Uh, you just follow the link as well. And uh, it's actually a giveaway for Smash Bros. Because one of the guys, like, we we were all talking about what game we should give away for the end of the year. And apparently Smash Bros. was, like, the thing we all voted on. I voted for an indie game, by the way. Just thought I'd, I'm not a sellout. I didn't choose Smash Bros. I uh, said Smash Bros. Game. is uh, it's a cool game. <laughs> That's a great game. That's it. Well, that's awesome. That's sweet. That's sweet. I'm glad you got. I really hope you guys get more attention from this. Your game looks amazing. Uh, the sprites look awesome. Thank you. Has a bunch of cool customization. Lots of turtles, which you didn't know this, but I'm actually a big fan of turtles. Uh, so <laughs> that's something I can add. Game design here, one-on-one -on -one game design. Uh, I'm gonna give you a problem. Try to solve it. One-on-one <laughs> -on -one game design. So you have two phases here. One phase is a gathering phase where you the heroes gather materials and the NPCs set up the traps. And the second phase is where the heroes go to town, wreck shit up. So game design, game design decisions. How do you block or impede or prevent the heroes from going to town on the first phase. I'm assuming you like summon a boss, which is, might be where the turtles come in. Don't think about uh, what we have in the game now. What would you do? <laughs> what would I do? Yeah. Just I, go crazy. Go crazy? Uh, that's kind of an interesting thing, huh? 
I just, if I'm being crazy, I would just try to wipe them out with a meteor or something. Like basically try to kill them before they kill me. Which no, no. But the question is, uh, you don't want the players engaging before the first phase ends. You only want the players to meet each other on the second phase. Oh, so you're trying to keep them all separate before yep. they attack you? Yep. That's interesting. Um, huh. I don't know. Maybe create a maze that they have to, like, go through to find materials? I don't really know. That's an interesting question. Yeah. A maze would work. The problem with the maze is you would have to uh, make a procedural maze. So the maze would be would have to be different each match and the players will get annoyed going from that mode that mode (laughs) would be hard work and annoying for the players so you'll have to think another way how would you do it (laughs) (laughs) how we did it was instead of having a barrier that we're gonna have at first because don't worry, we didn't kind of come up with the answer on a 30-second question. We took some, <laughs> some, some days and some weeks to come up with, uh, with the answer. At first, we had a barrier, but the barrier would be lame because all the players would go. We tested with friends, and the players would go and be running against a, uh, a barrier that you couldn't break. And one thing about Heroes Ravage is that we want everything in the world to be breakable. You know, we want everything to be breakable. So we are not going to put a barrier there that's unbreakable. It breaks immersion from the game. So the solution that we came up with was, hmm, what about putting a giant, big-ass, slow turtle (laughs) blocking the way with a sand cap and sunglasses going to the beach? (laughs) <laughs> so that's what we did we have actually our separation from the two phases from the first phase that is the gathering and setting up traps to the second phase where is the attack and defense phase that we call it ravage time we have a giant turtle that takes exactly four minutes to clear the path and that turtle uh, stays there the whole game walking in the dires- direction of the beach it's just trying to head down to the beach, do its thing, have a nice beach day. Uh, that's uh, an Easter egg. If you go with your character and you ignore the house of the villagers and you go down to the beach, you'll see why the turtle's walking there. Let's just say it's mating season on uh, Euro's Ravage for turtles. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I'm glad you guys have an appreciation for turtles. <laughs> <laughs> And creative solutions. Well, yeah, yeah, that's all I had for you today. Any last things you wanted to get out there? Uh, no, that's it. Check Heroes Ravage on Pixel Dino. Sign up at heroesravage.com for uh, the next alpha they will be doing in the ne- early next year, Q1. Uh, and join off our Discord. We usually respond really quickly if you have questions or you want to know more about the game. Uh, even today, I was talking with uh, a young, uh, a young guy that's looking into going uh, into program, and we were talking with him and giving some advice. So, if you want to know more about development or more about our team or more about Heroes Ravage, come join our Discord. 
Awesome. Also, thank you for having me. And sorry about my uh, thick accent. No, you're uh, totally fine. <laughs> and uh, thank you very much. It's great what you're doing here, uh, promoting indie games and uh, and working as an editor for Parallax Media. Because we really need uh, people like you that uh, enjoy and love indie games. Because a lot of people just want to talk about games because it's their job. But when we have people like you that really enjoy playing and enjoy the community and the process that the, we developers take to, to create these games, it really means a lot for us when we have uh, uh, media people like you uh, talking about our games. So for me, for my team and for every dev, uh, I thank you and your team uh, at Parallax Media. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for stroking my ego a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love indie games, and I'm going to continue to do this. Uh, if you guys are indie devs, you can actually reach out to me on Twitter, at iLegion, just like Pixel Dinos did to uh, get on the podcast, do an interview. I'd love to talk to you guys. Um, that's Yeah, that's it for today. Thank you guys uh, so much for listening, and I hope you guys have a great day.